All right, good morning and welcome to Chanel. We are glad that you're here with us. If you're joining us online, let's go back. If you're joining us online, we are glad that you're here as well. Now, I, JJ is doing children's church this morning. I think Jamie Banks is as well. I think we should probably have a moment of prayer for those children and for the parents for what those kids will learn in the next 30 or so minutes. Um, JJ also told me to go as long as I needed. He's definitely prepared for this. So, uh, with that in mind, we're, we're gl- again glad that you're here. We're finishing our supply list series this morning by talking about scissors. I think scissors are the worst things that you can have in your house with children, um, especially if there's stuff that you would like to be in one piece, if pieces of paper that you don't want cut into a million different tiny pieces. Scissors are, are terrible for your household. And for those inquiring and probably wondering right now, have the Kittinger children cut their hair? Yes. Both of them have. Um, Judah cut his hair at an earlier age, but he just went off the top. Like he just took too damaging to kind of his facial structure. But sweet baby Isla, about last year, Isla went for the bangs right in the front of her face, stood in front of a mirror and did it, went to her own beauty salon. Now, albeit by the grace of God and the hands of Allison Wagner, Isla was redeemed, and kind of structure was, again, found with Isla's face, but scissors at the house are terrible with children. But scissors on a for a few different reasons. Kids, how to do the mechanics of cutting things. They have to learn how to cut lines, maybe shapes, and stuff like that. But in this conversation, a spiritual conversation of scissors, what I want to talk today is about Maybe things in our lives that we need to cut out. And to that, I give reference to Uncle Joey from Full House, who made the phrase, cut it out, very popular. Looks like two of you know that reference, so that's awesome. I'm glad that I did that. Um, it just, I guess me and Rachel Henry. So anyway, Uncle Joey would say, cut it out. It was cool. Um, cool. So no one's still. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, but... To reference that, I thought about what are the things in our lives that we need to cut out? And really, this larger question of does God give us permission to remove or cut things out of our lives? To that, I'd reference Bob Goff, who wrote Love Does, he wrote Undistracted, he's written several books, very popular Christian author. But he has popularized the idea of quitting things on Thursdays. Uh, It's a fun thing that he does where he encourages people to Quit one thing on a Friday. Maybe it's an obligation that you're doing just because you've always done it. You don't really know why you do it anymore. Maybe it's something that is soul-draining, that is destroying your spirit. It's taking away joy. Maybe use a Thursday to quit those things. But I didn't want to just lean on the teachings of Bob Goff because it's also present in Scripture. That God gives us permission to quit things. You see this in Matthew chapter 2, or Mark chapter 2. When Jesus goes up to Matthew, the tax collector, who was named Levi, the text says, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Now, we, we like to look at this story, this example of Levi, just getting up and, as this profound moment of somebody encountering Jesus and going. But I'd like to add a little bit of like humanity to the story that this was Levi's job. This is what he did. To what the scripture gives us, to our knowledge, Levi does not go to his superior and say, hey, 
I met this prophet. His name's Jesus. I'm going to give you my two weeks notice. I want to do this right. What we see in the scripture is that Levi encounters Jesus, quits what he's been doing, and follows him. It's permission to quit. There's another story that we see in Luke chapter 5. This is often called the calling of the first disciples. But in Luke chapter 5, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Galilee, uh, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down, taught the people from the boat. Now, we know the story but they, he, they listen to this sermon, this teaching of Jesus. Jesus tells them to cast their nets. They say, hey, we, we've already tried that. We did that all night. We didn't catch anything. But because you tell us to do this, Jesus, we will put our nets out again. And they do it. They catch more fish than they've ever seen in their entire lives. And I point this out because these are fishermen. They are not fishing for fun. They are fishing commercially. This is their job. This is their identity. This is how they made money to exist. And then look at this next passage in verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Another example of quitting in scripture. So I'd argue from these two examples of Levi and these men in Luke chapter 5 that God gives us permission to quit. But it's determining what the right things to quit are. That, that is the key to this. I would tell you that it is not okay to quit your calling. It's not okay to quit what God has created you to do. With your skills, with your talents, with your passions. It's not okay to quit your calling. But it is okay to quit the things that hinder your ability to live in that calling. And so this morning, I just want to identify three things that I think often come into our lives that, that <clears throat> challenge that ability to live into our calling. And the first one is distractions. Now, I promise you this is the last Bob Goff reference that I'm going to make, but he recently wrote a book called Undistracted. And if you've ever encountered Bob Goff or seen any of his teaching, this, this guy, he's wired. He is distracted easily. And so he wrote a book about being distracted. But in the book, he writes that as human beings, we are all trying to build the plane while it's in air. He said, because of this, there are often more off-ramps than on-ramps, creating more room for confusion than clarity. We are constantly distracted with things that maybe pull our interest, pull our desire, maybe lead us down a road that we don't need to go. And so as Christians, as followers of Jesus, what are we called to do? Well, Jesus talks about this. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. I love passages like this that, that feel so easy, but it's so challenging too, because again, we are distracted. Our attention is drawn in different ways. Maybe it's because of, of what our friends are doing, what our colleagues are doing. Like whatever that may be, we are distracted constantly. But Jesus says, you've got to focus on God. Paul also writes this in Colossians. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It's a focus element. It's how we wake up in the morning. What are the things that we are immediately drawn to? 
Are we drawn into living in who God created us to be? Or are we driven by our selfish motivations? How are we living and what are the things that we're focusing on? So maybe you're at a phase right now where you need to cut out the distractions in your life. And to that, I would tell you to start writing them down. When you feel that you are distracted, your attention is gone from what it needs to be on, write it down. And then after a week, start looking at those distractions and saying, why are these things captivating my attention? And if you're serious about cutting out those distractions, then work towards that. But on a surface level, we just have to be focused on setting our hearts and our minds on who God created us to be. But the other thing that I think maybe that we need to cut out of our lives is excuses. I love making excuses because from the ages of 23 to 30, you can't make excuses with your friends. They just assume that you always want to go out to dinner, that you always want to go to a late movie. You don't want to do those things. You want to go home and go to bed. And the solution to that is having children. You don't get invited to as many things if you have kids. You're not getting invited to that fancy dinner if you've got two kids and if they don't serve chicken tenders at that place. So that's, that was a joke to kind of see where we are. But excuses are another thing that maybe we need to consider cutting out of our lives. In uh, Judges chapter 6, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is the story of Gideon. Gideon is this young man who is, in the story, where the story picks up in chapter 6, he is uh, threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. What Gideon is doing is he has found himself at this lower elevation place. He's basically in a, in a cave-like situation. And he's pressing the wine because he knows that if the Midianites even get wind that they have anything, the Midianites will come for it. So he doesn't want these. He's hiding. He's afraid. He lives every single day in fear of what can be taken away from him. And so he's doing this, he's doing this, he's living in this fear. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon in verse 12 and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And we've already talked about this story several months ago. But I come back to that text when we talk about the idea of excuses. Because Gideon has some pretty good excuses. Gideon says in verse 15, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Gideon says, God, maybe the signals are messed up. Like, I'm probably not the first choice of who can redeem these people. It's not me, God. I'm small. My clan is weak. I don't have it in me. And it's to that that I would encourage you to think about this statement that I heard recently that I really love. That if you argue for your excuses, you get to keep them. Like, if you argue for your limitations, then that's who you get to be. If Gideon wants to be considered the weakest in his clan, somebody that cannot be used for God's kingdom, then that's who he gets to be. If you are constantly finding yourself making excuses as to why you can't do what God has called you to do, then that's who you get to be. Like I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be aggressive, but that's just the reality of it. If you're like, I'm always too busy to serve God, then you'll always be too busy to serve God. If you're like, I don't have the skills or ability to serve in the way that God wants me to, then you're never going to. God has called you. God called Gideon, somebody who viewed himself as the weakest and the smallest in his clan. And look at what he says in verse 12. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
God does not see you with your excuses and your limitations. God sees you as mighty, beautiful creations called to do amazing and good things. But again, if you argue for your limitations, then you get to keep them. When Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think Paul reminds us that we can argue for as many limitations as we want, but we will be held accountable for what we do or don't do. Paul writes, so we, make it, so we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You can make all the excuses you want, but we will be held accountable for what we do or that we don't do. But, but it's not just limitations. And I'd be, I'd be hesitant to do a sermon about cutting things out of your life if I didn't talk about people or relationships. This is kind of one of the harder conversations to have from a pulpit. Because really when you talk about, should I cut somebody out of my life, you don't want to have it like in this setting. So what I would quickly say, because I know this is being recorded and I don't want it to be manipulated, what I would say is it's not okay to cut people out of your life. But it is okay to set boundaries. God has been establishing boundaries for humans since the beginning of time. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, Genesis 1 begins, the story of Genesis begins with God telling Adam and Eve, do not eat from the tree. God is establishing boundaries for those two individuals, not to restrain them, but to protect them and to allow them to live better and healthy lives. And Proverbs talks about this. Proverbs chapter 22, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Do you notice that the text doesn't say, don't associate with a hot-tempered person because you may get offended or your feelings may get hurt? The, the emphasis on the text there is don't associate yourself with people like this because you could be influenced. It's important who we surround ourselves with and more importantly, who we allow ourselves to, to be influenced by. And that's why boundaries are so important. If you've got somebody in your life that every time you're around them, you feel terrible. You're like, that was a terrible experience. Why do I do this all the time? It may be beneficial for you to say, hey, let's have a conversation about our relationship. When, when you talk to me this way, it's not good for me. Like, I love you, I want to continue a relationship with you, but we have to determine and set some boundaries. Again, you're, you're not cutting that person off, you're just establishing what works. Paul also talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what, can fellowship, <clears throat> or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Paul's emphasis there is, who are the people in your lives that are shaping you? And if the people that are in your lives, if they're, if they're not shaping you to become a better person, if they're not leading you in the direction of Christ, then you probably need to establish some boundaries. Uh, this often is used in, in weddings, which is weird, um, and kind of a vibe killer too, if you, if you ever hear that in a wedding ceremony. But what Paul is really kind of getting at is thinking about the people that are influencing you. How are they shaping you? And again, I would never encourage you to cut somebody off. I don't want you to leave this morning and be like, all right, I'm cutting my, my family member that I don't like. I'm cutting them off right there. I got the scripture for it. That's not what I'm saying. But it might be beneficial to establish some better boundaries. 
And so we, we come to the close of this sermon series where we talk about supply list. And we've looked at a couple of different things. We've looked at, at rulers. Uh, we've looked at glue. We've looked at uh, coloring pencils. We've looked at a couple different things. And I end with kind of a weirder one in scissors. Because I do think a lot of us are carrying around a lot of baggage. And maybe we can use this moment, this season as a means to cut some of those things out. And so this week, if you have some time, look at the things that are distracting you. Reflect on why are those things consuming your attention and maybe cut a few of those things out. The next time that somebody asks you to do something and you have a laundry list of excuses, examine that list and determine why do you have excuse after excuse to not do what you feel like God has called you to do and start cutting those excuses out. And finally, if you've got somebody in your life that is just draining you, that you are not, you don't feel just connected with, that you feel hurt every time you're around that person, it's time to have that conversation of boundaries and figuring out why. This whole sermon has been about cutting things out, and that's why I meant at the beginning, it's so important to determine what are the right things to cut out. God gives us permission to cut things out of our lives. God gives us permission to quit things. We see that with Levi. We see that with the disciples. God allows us to cut things out of our lives. It just has to be the right things. I said it already that it is okay to quit things, but you can't quit your calling. And so this week, take some time to reflect on those. And more importantly, where I want to end is with this passage here in Philippians chapter 4. Paul is, is talking to this congregation who is likely distracted. Their focus is on other things, which is definitely not like what we exist today. But in Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In a sermon where we're talking about cutting things out, when you're doing that, make sure that your heart is focused on the right things. Are you serving and honoring God with your life? Are you living the way that God has called you to do? And if you're not, maybe it's time to evaluate the things that you need to cut out. Let's stand and sing together.